Yeah, I think that's true. Good morning. Welcome to It's a Religion. This is Ehud, son of Dennis, coming to you live from the Middle West of the divided states of America and to the Republic for which they stand, two nations under God, quite divided with liberty and justice for some. And in today's day and age, as we see Mr. Musk release more and more information about how our government is so uh, looking out for our best interests, especially if you are conservative. It really is quite amazing the, uh, the place that we're in right now. Because it, um, it just, I don't know, it makes me wonder, like, what is, you know, what is really motivating some of these people is it really control is it really fear of population overgrowth is it simply the fact that they want to control everything is it simply uh, money you know they're after money and so they're more than happy to uh, put the rest of us in a chokehold you know, I don't know. It it doesn't make a lot of sense to me in that regard. But the thing that I think we miss a lot of times is that God has his purpose. He has an economy that he's called us to be a part of. He has a an overriding influence in our lives that we need to follow, the word of God. And there should be no question about that from those who put their faith and trust in Christ. Now, those who don't, I mean, I get it. I get that they're going to have a difference of opinion. I get that they're going to do things that don't line up with God's word. They're going to do uh, sometimes very sinful things, blatantly sinful, blatantly in God's face sinful. But we have to remember, God will not be mocked. Right? It says in Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived, people. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And, you know, that may not happen while that person is still on this earth. He may or she may end up reaping for eternity something awful. And not only should that scare us in some ways, but it should give us a great deal of compassion for people who don't know the Lord, who don't follow him, who don't understand the reasons why you should and the purpose in that. People get so caught up in friending other people nowadays or all this social media stuff and wanting to be liked. I mean, we all want to be liked. We all want to be part of something. But one of the beauties of Christ is once you get beyond yourself and once you get beyond um, get to an understanding place, I guess, and get into a true relationship with him, you, you, you come to realize there's nothing else you really need. When you are in him, truly in him, you don't need anything else. That, that relationship is the, the key one on this earth, on this planet, uh, in your life that you need. And so 
be encouraged to have just that, to spend time with him, to talk with him, to share your troubles with him, your anxieties, your fears. Get them off your chest so the enemy doesn't have a chance to make them a burden in your life, to make them a factor in your life anymore. Because when you walk in fear, you are not following God completely. I don't think. I think God didn't call us to a spirit of fear. He called us to a spirit of uh, rejoicing and peace. Or the the uh, scripture I had this morning was rejoice always. And I, you know, I think about Paul's character and, and the person he was. He finally got to a point where he figured that out. No matter what was going on, whether he was in good times, bad times, ugly times, different times, um, no matter what was going on in his life, he was rejoicing. The guy gets beaten up and put in jail and he's singing the psalms and hymns, right? He's not, he doesn't let the little stuff get to him. And boy, do we do that very easily in this life. I know I do. I still struggle with that. You know, I was at a meeting the other night and this guy got up and said a bunch of things that were just downright mean to a couple people. And, you know, I don't believe he even knows them personally. And I did not agree with anything the man said. And I wanted to, you know, personally wanted to get up and, and confront him and put him in his place. But in light of the situation and being able to reflect on it, uh, there's a way to handle that that is Christ-focused, where I rejoice in um, being you know, chastise or whatever you want to call it from this gentleman. And to somehow turn that into good. I don't know. I'm not sure how to do that because sometimes you need to stand your ground and, and fight, I think, but you can still fight in a way that doesn't, um, call your faith into question. So I just pray God teaches me how to fight properly because I, I really want to learn that. And I think we all need that as, as Christians, because there is, this is a battle. This is a war that we are in, a spiritual battle with powers that we don't see, we don't understand necessarily completely, um, but that goes on every day in this life. And you can see that. You can see that very easily in many ways. So, again, just as a, as a forethought, we hear it, it's a religion put our faith and trust in God's word, the Bible, and the historicity of it, the uh, religious portions of it, whatever you want to call it, we trust the whole thing. There's no reason not to. Until someone truly, truly gives me a reason not to trust it, I'm going to. And I don't think that's ever happened because God, or going to happen because God is at the center of it all. Now on the flip side of that is all kinds of other stuff that you can put your faith and trust in. One of the main tenets is that of religion and atheism, or um, evolution and atheism, which tries to say there is no God, that all this came about naturally, that all this came about over millions and billions of years with no proof whatsoever. You know, they hold up a lot of scientific mumbo-jumbo, and it's a boondoggle. I wouldn't even call it a boondoggle, because it doesn't even really, in my view, appear that it's of any value. Because it shouldn't. Again, I, anybody that wants to debate this issue, whether there's a God, 
and the God of the Bible is true, who has a bunch of eyewitnesses that were there at the time to see this stuff happen and occur and wrote it down versus a bowl of soup millions of years ago that we all came from. I'm sorry, I stopped there. So if you put your faith and trust in God, be encouraged. They ain't got nothing on the side of evolution. Please do not listen to him. Do not trust in him. Do not care whether he has a white coat on or not and sounds really smart or not. It does not matter. It is the same thing when it comes to medical tyranny that we're seeing in, in this country. Just because the pharmaceuticals want you to spend more money on their shots doesn't mean you should. Don't trust them. People in the government are not benevolent. Just because someone's from the government doesn't mean they have your best interest at heart. Sorry, doesn't work that way. People are sinful. And we see that, especially in this government today at the national level. You know, I have the state government you don't hear a lot about. So I know in this state, we've got a lot of goofiness going on, too, because of the city of Chicago. And I really hope that someday we figure out a way to separate, that we put a lot of these cities into their own state. Um, or we get back to, I read an article recently where a gentleman was proposing uh, rescinding the 17th Amendment where senators get elected. And I think that would be a good thing. I think having them appointed um, would be better. It's still going to be corrupt because people are corrupt, but I think it would it would be better. Anyway, we are in Genesis 44 of the Bible. So let's get to it this morning. We're going through the life of Joseph and his family. Uh, the, the people group of Israel, where that started and where it comes from. And how God brought that into be. And we're going through a uh, famine right now. And Joseph is actually second in command in Egypt. And he is uh, helping everyone hold it all together. Because he was able to uh, predict what Pharaoh's dream was about. By the hand of God. And Pharaoh put him in charge to take care of everything. And uh, get people to, to be able to survive through this famine. That God was going to bring. So. We're right in the middle of that as we go back to the word of God. Um, Joseph Silvercup. When his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to his palace manager. Fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry and put each man's money back into his sack. Then put my personal silver cup at the top of the youngest brother's sack, along with the money for his grain. So the manager did as Joseph instructed him. The brothers were up at dawn and were sent on their journey with their loaded donkeys. But when they had gone only a short distance and were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his palace manager, Chase after them and stop them. When you catch up with them, ask them, Why have you repaid my kindness with such evil? Why have you stolen my master's silver cup, which he uses to predict the future? What a wicked thing you have done. When the palace manager caught up with his men, he spoke to them as he had been instructed, what are you talking about? The brothers responded. We are your servants. We would never do such a thing. Didn't we return the money we found in our sacks? We brought it back all the way from the land of Canaan. Why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If you find his cup with any one of us, let that man die. And all the rest of us, my Lord, be with your slaves. That's fair, the man replied. But only the one who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go free. They all quickly took their sacks from the backs of their donkeys and opened them. The palace manager searched the brothers' sacks from the oldest to the youngest. 
and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. When the brothers saw this, they tore their clothing in despair. They loaded their donkeys again and returned to the city. Joseph was still in his palace when Judah and his brothers arrived, and they fell on the ground before him. What have you done? Joseph demanded. Don't you know that a man like me can predict the future? Judah answered, Oh, my Lord, what can we do to you? How can we explain this? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord, we have all returned to be your slaves, all of us, not just our brother who had your cup in his sack. No, Joseph said, I would never do such a thing. Only the man who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go back to your father in peace. Then Judah stepped forward and said, Please, my lord, let your servant say just one word to you. Please do not be angry with me, even though you are as powerful as Pharaoh himself. My lord, previously you asked us, your servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we responded, Yes, my lord, we have a father who is an old man, and his youngest son is a child of his old age. His full brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him very much. And you said to us, Bring him here so I can see him with my own eyes. But we said to you, My lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for his father would die. But you told us, Unless your youngest brother comes with you, you will never see my face again. So we returned to your servant, our father, and told him what you had said. Later he said, Go back again and buy us more food. We replied, We can't go unless you get or you let our youngest brother go with us. We'll never get to see the man's face unless our younger brother is with us. And my father said, As you know, my wife had two sons. And one of them went away and was never returned. Doubtless he was torn to pieces by some wild animal. I have never seen him since. Now if you take this, his brother, from me, and any harm comes to him, you will send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. And now, my lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guaranteed to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. And so tomorrow we'll see what happens with all that. But It's quite the story, Joseph, right? And... You know, starting out with his beautiful coat that Jacob Israel gives him. And uh, then he gets beaten up and thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery. And, and yet he remains faithful to God through all that. He was still rejoicing in the Lord after all of that. How many other people, when bad things like that happen to them, become bitter? You know, I've recently experienced just even the slightest thing like that there's a gentleman uh, here locally in our community that uh, used to be in a position of authority and recently got voted out of that position uh, when he really I think thought he was going to continue in that role and uh, there there was uh, not any animosity uh, toward this gentleman I mean he's a nice gentleman um, just there was enough folks that were just ready for a change because there were things that he was doing that, that a lot of people didn't agree with. And he's very uh, begrudgingly going forward now. Um, 
and I think holding a personal grudge against a lot of people. So there's a lot of unforgiveness in his heart yet. So I need to pray for him today that he would release that. And when we hold unforgiveness against people, it, it can become cancerous almost spiritually. Um, as God says in the main prayer I say every day that, um, you know, forgive us as we forgive others. And we don't let things um, fester, right? So Joseph's a great example of that, God's faithfulness. Lord God Almighty, thank you for this word that you've given us. Thank you for what you give us every day, Lord, the breath of life and the life that we have to live in this day and age, this crazy day and age that that has a lot of really crazy stuff happening. And... Um, Sometimes I pine for the time, Lord, that, that I wouldn't have known this. I wouldn't have had uh, access to information from all over the world instantaneously. And yet, that's the time you put us in. And so we need to do the best that we can with the time you've given us. So please help us, Lord. Help us to rejoice this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you.